0: Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person who knows humans may not be what we think we are. In August 18, 2012, there was an Economist magazine, it was the front page of it, and it had an article, and one of the questions that it asked in this article is, what's a man, or indeed, what's a woman? And it says, biologically, the answer might seem obvious, but a growing band of biologists see people not just as Individuals, but also as ecosystems. Uh, think about it: a healthy adult human has some 100 trillion bacteria in our gut alone. The article went on to state that look, looking at human beings as ecosystems that may contain many collaborating and competing species could change the practice of medicine. Could change the practice of medicine. And on today's show we're going to be talking with two people involved in this transformation of medicine. Later in the program we'll be joined by Dr. Alexander Koretz, at the universe, a University of Minnesota professor of medicine and a world pioneering researcher on achieving cures in the world, real world through the emerging understanding of the microbiome. So here, can fecal transplants, fecal transplants, yes, you heard this right, fecal, also known as poop, or number two if you're a Minnesotan. But can fecal plant transplants help with alcohol cravings, diabetes, Parkinson's, autism, lung cancer, obesity? Before we learn more about the University of Minnesota's Microbiome Therape- Therapeutics Program, we are joined now by the founder and president of Achieving Cures, Peter Westerhouse. Hi, welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Radio, Peter.
1: Hi, Laura. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you. Now, um, how are you doing today? You know, doing well, doing well. Uh,
1: Given the craziness of this year, I really can't complain, (laughs) but uh, just thrilled to be here and uh, the sun is shining. So, in Minnesota that we can't ever uh, we can't ever complain about that
0: right so you have um, tell us tell us a little bit about your background and your story.
1: Certainly so I've got a bit of a crazy background and really how achieving cures um, came to be but it really all goes back to when I was in high school I was a um, football player, loved the game of football. Uh, my dream, my goal was to play in the NFL. And uh, I was, I felt like I was on my way to accomplishing that goal. Um, had scholarship offers to play around the country, uh, won Mr. Football for Minnesota and, and really kept, you know, made some progress there. Um, when I was on spring break vacation in the Grand Canyon, uh, and was actually struck in the head by a boulder. A uh, boulder was about the size of a football. Um, it knocked me out. I remember coming through; the whole world was ringing, uh, blood was gushing everywhere. I ended up throwing up blood. It was it was it was brutal, uh, absolutely brutal. And you know, fast fast forwarding uh, that part of the story a little bit, um, ended up having a, a skull fracture. Um, was hammered with antibiotics, and and really, the doctors didn't think I was going to be able to play football again. Well, I tell that part of the story because I do think it's an important piece. Um, I did make a full recovery from the head injury, uh, signed to play football with the University of Minnesota, um, and so with a full-ride scholarship athlete playing um, under Jerry Kill. Uh, when only about a year, so I was a redshirt freshman, so it was two years into my, my scholarship, um, I started noticing blood in my stool. And there was a significant amount of blood uh, where I was, um, you know, concerned, and, and we started doing tests, um, really trying to pinpoint what the cause was. It ended up being, uh, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is inflammation in the large intestine. Uh, at the time, my diagnosis was mild, um, and, and they basically gave me some uh, medication. I went back to, to trying to play football. Well, quickly, that <laughs> progressed, uh, and, and uh, my symptoms got worse and worse uh, as the season went on. I was losing weight. I was having many bowel movements a day. Uh, couldn't eat, sleep. My energy levels in the uh, weight room and at practice had really gone down. I knew something else was going on um, and needed to really you know, uh, dive into into that. So I bounced in and out of different hospitals and, and met with many doctors um my diagnosis had become very, very severe, uh, and it was pretty clear at that point I, I had to put football on hold and really focus on my health um, and getting the ulcerative colitis under control. And uh, if only it, it was that easy. Um, it, it took I, uh, years.
0: Years. Was- and I think I, I want to play a, a clip that's on the uh, website for Achieving Cures from Your Mother, because she... Mm-hmm this this was this was a very very dark time
2: i think probably the hardest thing initially was seeing pete's hopes and dreams everything he had wanted with his life being taken away from him and that was a really really dark difficult time for our family um, pete suffered immeasurably It was really difficult to see him day to day being isolated having his hopes and dreams ripped out from underneath him and basically just being in survival mode trying to get through each day. Um, We never knew what was going to be handed us, what kind of pain, the days where he would be screaming and we could do nothing to take the difficulties away from him. Um, He was unable to sleep up all night. He was going to the bathroom 30 to 40 times a day. The emotions, a kid that had been really positive was angry, was despairing, was hopeless. We all were, understandably so. Um, Were there days we were going to have to go to the hospital again? It was just a really, really isolating, dark, helpless, hopeless time for our family.
0: So so you went from a 236-pound linebacker to 146 pounds. And what type Mm -hmm. of medical solutions were out there to help you?
1: Yeah, so... I, you heard in that clip, was going to the bathroom 30-plus times a day, blood in my stool. I, I was desperate to try anything. Um, I started, you know, I did a bunch of uh, different biological treatments. I did chiropractic work. Um, I saw some doctors around um, things with my brain and my head, uh, connecting back to that head injury potentially. Uh, different diet, yoga, meditation. I, I tried it all, Laura. <laughs> I really did. Um, I was just, you know, I was desperate and, and trying to find uh, a solution to help. And, and really it was in that time uh, that I learned about fecal transplants and taking a donor stool that's thoroughly screened, uh, transplanting it, and then in hopes that those microbes will regenerate um in, in my large intestine and help bring down the inflammation so i learned about this treatment it seemed to make sense and i'm not the, the brightest tool in the shed but it, it just seemed like it, it made it made good sense to me and um was connected then with the university of minnesota um was able to go on a on a regimen and try this tra- this transplant um where we saw really really uh positive results
0: and now at that time, how did the transplant work? So
1: it was a colonoscopy. So I would do all the colonoscopy prep, um, and then uh, they would transplant it that way.
0: And I'm going to jump to what we were talking about in the second half of the show. Now people can do it in pill form.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, <laughs> which is, has come leaps and bounds, <laughs> leaps and bounds.
0: Okay, so what, what first happened when you after you did the, the fecal transplant? How did how did this work? Did it mm-hmm. was it an overnight success or no?
1: Not not at all. Actually, um, it was it was very slow. So I, I did the first transplant uh, about a year year and a half into my ulcerative colitis diagnosis. I was really really sick at the time, and didn't quite frankly didn't notice a whole lot. But that was kind of to be expected. Um, after my second transplant, which was a, a number of months later, there was much, much more, um, uh, much more benefit. Um, I was really sick going into that transplant. Well, they ended up finding out that I had Clostridium difficile, which is a superbug. Uh, I had the, fecal tra- the second fecal transplant. Never had uh, C diff again, uh, even though I, I had had it a couple times in the, in the uh, past. Um, so that second one is when I started to, to notice and feel better. And then I did a third one, um, and there was noticeable healing throughout my entire large intestine, uh, except for one small area that was still highly inflamed. Uh, so they actually resulted in – I did need surgery uh, due to my ulcerative colitis and had my, my full uh, large intestine removed. Um with the ostomy bag for for nine months and three surgeries, and it was it was a lot. But, Laura, I tell you, what we saw from the fecal transplants and what we saw from the healing—that's well, where we really said, "Hey, there's something here," um, and and it's just being underfunded, understudied. Um, we want to help accelerate that and, and progress that.
0: And so, what's the prog- what's your personal health like now? What's your prognosis?
1: I'm healthy as can be. Um, all my plumbing is reconnected, <laughs> which is good. Um, and, but I, I'm able to, to eat and exercise um, just about what I you know was doing before. Um, I, I do go to the bathroom more than most people. Uh, but you know what? I, it's just a, a small reminder every day of how, how blessed and, and um, thankful I am for, you know, having a, a healthy
0: body. And now you've taken. That's why we're going to take a break soon. But you've taken your, you know, this horrible experience that you've that you've had, and you've created a nonprofit that will explore that, that that's working on how to achieve cures with this emerging understanding of the microbiome. Um, and that's that's just so fascinating. I um, we're, um, I, I love the line in Hey Jude, take a sad song and make it better. And uh, I love stories of resilience. So um, I'm looking forward to learning more about you and also about the Minnesota Microbiome um, Therapeutics Program. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
2: Hey Jude, don't make it bad Take a sad song and make it better Remember to let us Welcome back to uh, Food Freedom
0: Radio. I'm very pleased right now to have uh, Peter uh, Western House, um joining us. He is the founder of Achieving Cur- Cures. And uh, earlier we were hearing about his – traumatic story about health, uh, where he went from a 246-pound linebacker, um, Mr. Football, to 146 pounds. Um, and, and and now you've taken that experience, and tell us what, what you did with that experience.
1: Yeah, thank you, Laura. And, you know, we found that Achieving Cures Together. Um, we, we saw the potential uh, of the fecal transplants. They were, you know, really in the early phases. But as a personal recipient of them, I saw firsthand, you know, the the potential healing nature, Um, and 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 yet there was so little that was known about a fecal transplant. The science was just starting to come uh, come to be, and and quite frankly, I was frustrated as a patient when it was just take this drug, take this drug, take this drug. I wanted to look for another alternative. Um, uh, to that type of, of treatment. So we founded Achieving Cures Together uh, to be that vehicle. Um, and really uh, the purpose of what we're doing, we help fund um, microbiota research. Um, primarily we've partnered with the University of Minnesota Microbiota Therapeutics Program. They have an incredible team, uh, and, and we're helping them uh, uh, distribute and produce capsules that are being used as fecal transplants for patients with recurrent uh, clostridium difficile to help treat uh, over 900 patients uh, suffering from that, Uh, and then also using this material for uh, research as well. Uh, And there's many indications that we are uh, attacking uh, and how this could be connected with uh, things like ulcerative colitis, uh, obesity, autism, Uh, Parkinson's, the list list really goes on and on. So we want to help, uh, you know, support that type of of research.
0: Okay, so um, taking a pill with somebody else's um, fecal matter or poop, how could that help people with autism or diabetes or obesity? I mean, how does that work?
1: Yeah, and, you know, I'm sure as you talk with Dr. Korb, he'll be a lot lot more technical than I, um, but but really the – the donor, we, we get stool from a donor. Uh, they're thoroughly screened, obviously, um, and they have to go through you know, rigorous testing to make sure that they can donate stool. And then extract the microbes. There's, you know, trillions of living organisms uh, in this stool. Uh, taking those, putting them in a capsule, and then as the recipient uh, takes the, the capsule, these microbes um, will will... will the hope is regenerate in that person's large intestine, um, and, and we're just you know, beginning to learn of the effects of the microbiome on your overall health and how it's connected with your brain um, and whatnot, and how the more diversity you have there, um, you know, will that lead to a healthier person. So uh, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, and I know there's people that are skeptical about it, but it's made great uh, great progress.
0: Yeah, and again, I'm going to go with that sentence from the Economist magazine, um, writing about the microbiome in 2012. Um, um, looking at human beings as ecosystems that contain many collaborating and competing species could change the practice of medicine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I want to hear your personal story about how you founded this a nonprofit to support this work. This is is this something you is this something you did to give back?
1: Yeah, you know, there are so many people that helped me along the way. Uh, you're really, you're overrun with it. Uh, people that, uh, maybe it's just simple words of encouragement or, you know, through prayers or, or gifts or however they could help. It was, it was absolutely incredible, the outpouring of love. And I wanted to do whatever I could, um, really to, uh, to give back to others. There's a, there's a lot of people suffering from a lot of, a lot of different things. Um, and looking at this as a potential vehicle to help help many and, and you know, a lot of people have been interested in how can they help achieving cures together and how can we, you know, raise money and awareness and, and um, you know, ultimately help people um, and, and find cures.
0: Right. Because now um, uh, in uh, microbiome, uh, th- these treatments are only uh, 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 medically recognized for one condition. Fecal transplants mm-hmm. are medically recognized for only one condition, but it could be used mm-hmm. for more. Oh, you were one of the first, too, that had it used for the condition you had, correct? Yeah,
1: and I was really a a trial, my own little trial, really. Um, So it's recognized right now for clostridium difficile, recurrent clostridium difficile, uh, which is a superbug, but there are many trials uh, at different academic institutions going on right now for things uh, such as autism and and
0: ulcerative colitis and, and whatnot. And um, so, what? When we go through really difficult times, are there? Did you find gifts and may, with those difficult times?
1: Oh, absolutely! Um, you know, everybody will go through challenges in their life. Uh, it really does make you take a step back, um, refocus, and, and really notice. You, you notice the all the gifts around you every single day. Uh, It can be the littlest of things, uh, from enjoying a bite to eat. (laughs) I mean, when I was at my sickest days, I couldn't eat anything uh, without, you know, having an upset stomach or going to the bathroom. And and so it's little things like that, or a good night's sleep, Um, little things that we can so easily take for granted. uh, They just kind of pop. They're so prominent uh, after coming through an experience of, of, of difficulty.
0: So give us some more information about um, the organization AchievingCures.com.
1: Yeah. So, uh, again, it's AchievingCures.com, um, that is our website. And, we, you know, we periodically will be posting different blogs on there. We have uh, webinars as well where we have doctors come in and, and talk about uh, updates in their research. I uh, really encourage any any of your listeners to, uh, if you're interested in uh, learning more uh, to connect with us, our contact information is on there, um, you know, obviously, we, and we always appreciate any donations as well.
0: Okay. And um, tell us, the next we're going to have Dr. Alexander uh, Korutz, but tell us what impact did he have in your life?
1: Dr. Korutz has has made uh, a, a larger impact, Laura, than I can simply just say over over the, you know, on the show here today. Um He's not only someone I look up to, but he's a a friend, um, and he is a pioneer in in this field. He has helped so many people and so many families. Um, He's arguably the most uh, amazing, one of the most amazing people I've ever met. So um, I'm I'm glad he's able to, to join the show.
0: Cool. And so, what do you see as the future? What do you think this, this, uh, the, the under, I'm just going to say it, an understanding of mm-hmm. us as uh, ecosystems is rather, I mean, how do you see the future?
1: You know, I think we are just scratching the surface right now. Uh, I think there are going to be uh, advancements made in this that are going to absolutely be mind blowing um, in, in a very short amount of time here. This is, uh, in my opinion, this is the new wave of, of medicine. Um, and I, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface but we are um, you know on our way we to, to finding cures so
0: do you miss being a football player? <laughs> Absolutely I miss that
1: uh, that was my you know my, my love and my uh, my dream but paths change and and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy where I'm at right now uh, wonderful fiance and uh, um, you know like I said the ro- roads, Uh, definitely change and we're making, making the best of it.
0: Well, I thank you so much Peter Westernhouse. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and very pleased right now to have, um, University of Minnesota medical professor and a leading researcher in the microbiome, Dr. Alexander Koritz. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hello. Hi. Um, so we just had a wonderful conversation with, with Peter who was facing an incredible medical condition. He went from being a 236 pound linebacker to 146 pounds and his life was transformed by fecal transplants. That might okay. seem really surprising. Did I say that accurately enough?
3: That sounds good, except I don't like the word fecal transplant.
0: Okay. Yeah, I know. Most we people probably wouldn't like that, that word like. fecal. I know. It, it's. It, but okay, so what word would you prefer to use?
3: We call it intestinal microbiota transplant. It's a bit of a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the... Uh, the proper name that was uh, given to this back in 2011 was fecal microbiota transplant. Okay. It's already kind of a historical thing. But some, so what's being transplanted is the microbiota, that is the microbial community. You can't transplant feces. Mm-hmm. That's not what engrafts. It is the microbes that engraft. The fecal was only describing where these microbiota comes from. But somehow, because of people are unfamiliar with that word, it gets cut out and it becomes fecal transplant. And people, uh, particularly in journalism, but also in medicine, have uh, run away with this term. Uh, we've uh, changed the name because of this concern to intestinal microbiota transplants because, after all, these microbes are engrafting in the intestine. So we're thinking about the patient. And I found that patients do appreciate that change. Yeah. That things like fecal transplants, stool transplants sound very odd,
2: mm-hmm. and that's
3: actually not very accurate. Uh, so it's not very kind to even patients but makes for a good story.
0: It, it, and it's something that um, I think it's, you know, I, um, I'll try to use the right phrasing, uh, microbiotherapeutic program. Um, and there was an article in The Economist magazine in 2012, and it said that looking at human beings as ecosystems that may contain many collaborating and competing species could change the practice of medicine. Was that article accurate, that this understanding of of the microbiome um, is changing the practice of medicine?
3: Uh, It is to some extent. Certainly what we do has uh, embraced this paradigm. Uh, I'm not sure it necessarily penetrated yet into the mainstream medicine, but it's applicable to every branch of medicine in a way that this is This is the new way of thinking about it, Uh, and routine things that physicians do, like give out antibiotics for this or that, thinking they can do that with impunity for a long time, that's changing. Obviously, there are dangers in that uh, because it's more than just the host. There's a, a microbial community that's associated with us, actually multiple microbial communities in different sites.
0: So let's, again, share the story of uh, Peter Westerhaus. How did you learn about Peter's story?
3: Uh, Peter came to me as a patient. Uh, he was in a desperate shape, uh, and he's failed uh, all medical therapies and was essentially looking at uh, the prospect of surgery, which is irreversible, losing his colon. And so he... Uh, wanted to see if there's anything else that, was, that could be done before that. Um, and so uh, he found me. We had a program to treat patients with complicated Clostridium difficile infections. Um, treating ulcerative colitis with this approach has been in the literature and in, in the way of case reports. Uh, so he found us. This was before the uh, FDA kind of set out the rules on how this is to be done. So we tried it. Uh, we made uh, a little bit of progress. Uh, but ultimately, actually, he, he did have the surgery.
0: Um, so um the the uh, the transplants they are authorized um for the this the the one condition it's now a standard medical protocol to use the microbiome transplants.
3: Correct. It's this infection
0: okay. which is not
3: a trivial uh, indication. Uh, about half a million people get this infection a year in the us, about a hundred thousand. Um, develop this syndrome of multiple recurrences, and they can't get rid of it with antibiotics alone. So this, this becomes their only option. And so, given the uh, given the scale of the problem and the convincing evidence that this works, the FDA gave it a pass that people, the clinical practitioners, can do this uh, without federal regulatory oversight. That is, it's a little unusual. Um, the, the policy is called Enforcement Discretion Policy from the FDA. Uh, there is no approved product yet uh, to do that, uh, but there are protocols for doing that, and so the FDA said, okay, as long as you're treating this infection, just go ahead and do it for now at least until there's approved product.
0: And, and now you're doing research on that this might be able to help with um, everything from alcohol cravings to diabetes to Parkinson's to ost, autism to forms of cancer and obesity.
3: There's hope? Oh, that's correct. That's, that's um, a major mission of our program is to support various academic trials and uh, to move the science forward, uh, obviously early phase academic trials. Um, there is a lot to be learned. We, we know um, a good deal now about how to treat these C. difficile infections. There's still a lot to be learned there as well. Uh, but for these other indications, uh, we're still at a much earlier stage. Uh, there's a lot to be learned about the dosing uh, and um, selection of, of uh, microbial communities.
0: So how could the formulation? How can how can this how could our microbiome affect our health? Or maybe I should ask that. How does the microbiome affect our health?
3: So most of the microbes in our bodies, by sheer density or biomass, are in the intestine. We have microbes, microbial communities, all over our bodies. There's microbes in our skin, uh, in our mouth, obviously, and everywhere. But by sheer density, it's the intestinal microbes that is the dominant biomass, about 99% of microbes. That's where they are. Uh, And so they're integral to the physiology of the host. We've been together for millions of years, from the beginning of time. uh, As as you said, we are not just uh, the host, but a community with the microbes within us the whole ecosystem Uh, and and these microbes of course have their own interests because we've coexisted for so long we have uh, largely a mutualist relationship with them that is like a good marriage Um, what's (laughs) good for us is good for them marriage of course can be complicated and Mm -hmm. sometimes things don't go right Uh, and so what happened in um, the last century it's kind of like a bad marriage or a marriage gone wrong. What we've done is we've changed our diet in such a way that uh, they're kind of hungry all the time, these microbes, because our food is processed and it doesn't reach where they are in their colon. Everything is absorbed kind of early. Uh, It's the fiber in the diet and the plant food that ends up providing the most calories to them. So they're kind of starved and then on, on top of that we're treating them with antibiotics so we're kind of throwing grenades in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: The, the in, in other words, now the host or a marriage partner has turned hostile and that has effects um, on various aspects of our health. We we're just beginning to learn how, uh, but um, it is suspected that perhaps it has something to do with the obesity epidemic. Maybe those microbes are screaming for food and telling us to eat more. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, there is also a, um, an effect on how our immune system develops. If you think about it, um, most of what our immune system experiences of the microbial world is not the different pathogens that are trying to get us. It's actually our own microbes that are living within our bodies. Uh, And so one of the functions of the immune system is actually to shepherd our microbes. And this is a very well-tuned process that we've disrupted without really understanding it. Uh, But as the baby develops, you know, If you think of how ancestral life used to be with close contact to mother's skin, with breastfeeding, mother would actually masticate or chew the food to make the early baby formula, if you will, Mm -hmm. and that would go inside the baby. There was a lot of, um, and of course the, the birth itself was exclusively vaginal, Mm-hmm. And so, all of that has changed. We have C sections. We have antibiotics. While well, we, uh, the breast feeding uh, is has diminished in, in many parts. Uh, we've replaced with formula that's produced by industry. All of that has had some effects on how the microbiome develops, and there is concern that as the immune system develops at the same time as the microbiome, which takes actually a couple of years. Things get hardwired in a in the wrong way. Right. And, and so perhaps this is what's driving epidemics of allergies and asthma and eczema and all kinds of western diseases that used to be fairly rare.
0: Right. And and so having kids play in the dirt is, is important.
3: Perhaps that's not a a new idea. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the old hygiene hypothesis, uh, but it's now modified with a new insight that, that also has to do with the microbiome.
0: Um, so, Dr. Alexander Koritz, um, you are involved right now in all sorts of interesting research projects, um, and we're going to be needing to take a break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about those different research projects. Also, I want to learn about just some general tips. How do we? I, mean, I like when you said marriage. How do we have a good marriage with our microbiome? <laughs> so, um, how do we eat in a way that's really healthy for our gut and for ourselves? How do we create a healthy living community, and um, and finding some solutions to um, some medical problems so we're going to take a break well you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950 the progressive voice of Minnesota
2: so come on.
0: Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and very pleased right now to have Dr. Alexander Kortritz with the University of Minnesota's Microbiome Thera- Therapeutics Program. He's also a professor of medicine joining us now. And um, so the microbiome, and this, uh, What what is the microbiome?
3: The, well, most people think of it as the collection of all the microorganisms that are present in in, uh, any microbial community. Probably a more correct term is microbiota. It's a little less familiar to people. Microbiome technically refers to all the DNA that we can look at when we study a microbial community. The microbiologists over the last century had to grow individual microbes in the laboratory in order to identify them. Turns out the great majority of them, we don't know how to grow them in the lab. They like to be together. They like to be as a community. So the, the new technologies that allow us to sequence the DNA uh, of an entire community and use computational methods that are also new to make sense of all that data allowed us to look at the complex microbial community and study it by using their DNA. And that DNA content is the microbiome that's the so, technical term.
0: so um, this My may
3: be microbes a bit, are a microbiota I think huh? this,
0: I think this is um, accurate, but it, it might be um, incorrect but uh, Dr. Ratan Law, who won the World Food Prize and talks about the soil also talks about the soil is, is a community and and so our human bodies were actually more of a community. Um, and so, um, how we respond to the community when it comes to our health? How do how do we have a healthy, vib- vibrant um, self? Mm-hmm. And um, and so, uh, um, I so it's I, interesting
3: I w- that you bring it up. Mm-hmm. That you bring up soil because when I first entered this field in the early 2000s, I was just fascinating because I I, I fascinated because. I saw this this whole new frontier of medicine was opening up and I was wishing I was a little younger to really jump into it. Uh, and I, so I, I decided I need a collaborator who knows how to study microbial communities. And it so happens we're an agricultural state and we have a well-developed department of soil science. And that's where I found my main collaborator, Dr. Sudowski, who's been studying the environment And has been in soil science, but it was that collaborator that we formed a partnership that enabled our work, while the medical microbiologists, you know, were still studying one microbe at a time (laughs) in the lab. Um, So... Yes. So it contains very complex microbial communities as well.
0: So I just want to tease out all the wonderful research you're doing. um, Helping with alcohol cravings, diabetes, Parkinson's, autism, lung cancer, obesity. Just give us an overview of of what's happening now in some of that cutting edge um, science.
3: Uh, So these are all early trials, they're FDA approved. These are different diseases, uh, as you said. Ulcerative colitis, that's a disease that Peter had. That's inflammation in the colon. We don't know why it happens, but somehow it does. And one basic idea is that the microbial community that somehow develops in the person uh, goes astray and is driving, is contributing to the disease. So if we can change it, Maybe we can um, reverse it or at least treat it or use it as an adjunct to other medicines to make to make them work better. That’s one idea, and, and there are actually trials um, that are already published that do suggest some promise in this area. There’s a lot to be learned though as to how do you select the best donor? what is the appropriate regimen? Uh, how many doses, over what period of time do we need to repeat it. All of those are open questions, uh, and that, that's so that's why we need to do these trials.
0: And, and now that you're doing the trials with the microbiota, I hope I'm saying that right, you're mm-hmm. actually just, this is all in pill form, so people are just taking pills. Correct.
3: Correct. Uh, that's been a, a major advance as well because well, what do we do, we separate the microbes from the fecal material, and then they are... Um, frozen and freeze dried, and basically created into a powder that we can put in the capsules. Uh, and that enables people to take multiple doses, and also enables placebo-controlled trials because the placebo looks exactly the same.
0: So I want to make sure uh, for people. I mean, w- what general tips do you have to for people to try to improve their own uh, microbiome? What what are the general Eat, drink yogurt and probiotics? And-
3: <laughs> oh, probiotics <laughs> is uh, not a way to do it. Okay. Um, probiotics, I think of probiotics as alchemy before there was chemistry. Ooh. That is, there was a good idea. Something There's something to it. But after that, not much more was really done and then it went completely astray and it lives largely on marketing rather than science. Um, probiotics are not, are, are, are generally a dietary supplement. They're not regulated as drugs um, or anything that by definition, what is a drug? Actually there's a definition for that defined by Congress. Anything that treats, mitigates, prevents disease is called a drug. And so people that think it could help whatever disease and reach for probiotics, the FDA had absolutely nothing to say about it other than on the bottle it may say, this will help your digestive health or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's allowed, but it is also meaningless. Uh, There is some data that actually show that probiotics can make things worse. Like a common indication for probiotics that physicians may believe is that after you take antibiotics, why don't you take probiotics after that to replenish your good microbes? That is totally not right. They don't replenish anything. They can actually interfere with Normalization of your gut microbiome.
0: Well, you know, at this point, I know you and I could talk for hours to try to understand this, but uh-huh. we're down to our last minute. In brief, okay. what do you what What tips do you have? Just eat a lot of raw fruits and vegetables that are from healthy soil.
3: Not necessarily raw, mm-hmm. but most most of what microbes like to eat is, is uh, leftovers from plant diet. Uh, that there is different kinds of fiber, soluble, insoluble. Um yeah. berries are good vegetables are good fruit is good
0: fruit and vegetables that um, sounds that sounds great and I want to make sure we tell you that you want to share your appreciation for a group like Achieving Cures what does that mean for you? Um
3: basically our work would not be possible with them uh, they've enabled treatment uh, without charging patients for almost a thousand people uh, and they've been instrumental in uh, really supporting all these clinical trials that we're doing. Um, Those clinical trials. Dr. Alexander
0: Alexander Kortritz, Uh it's it's really hard to say goodbye, but we're down to our last few seconds. Um, Encourage people to check out AchievingCures.com and learn more about uh, microbiome and microbiotics and um, and, and the connection between um, that, that we are living in an ecosystem, inside and out. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio.